The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and it's time again for the American Express this time, DFS, betting, everything in between. And to do that, I'd like to welcome in Greg Ducharme. Greg, first off, welcome. How are you? Best friend. How are we doing? Best. Hey, buddy. I'm doing great. <laughs> Things great are all good. Um, I'm glad to have you. Is the American Express uh, the worst tournament name on the schedule? Like, why couldn't this be the American Express Classic or the American Express Open? Why is it the American Express. Uh, man, I mean, if, if I knew the answer to that question, I think I'd have a much higher salary and I think I'd have a much better job. That's a tough one to start off the day with. So the American Express, I actually, you know what? I don't hate it. And here's why. That's what we call tournaments. We call it the Sony. I know it's called the Sony Open in Hawaii, but we never say the Open in Hawaii part. We say the Sony. The American Express fits. It does feel a little incomplete when you see it on paper, but I, I don't hate it. It's simplistic. It's I'm telling you right now, it's the wave of the future. Oh, man. See, but it's like a cute nickname when we call it the Sony and we shorten it. When they force us right into the American Express, and, and producer Jacob makes a great point on this. SEO value of this is like bottom of the barrel, man. Like I don't know how to, how to differentiate. What do you type in if you American Express golf tournament? You have to be very, very specific if you want to get to this for, uh, you know, Google purposes. You know, that's actually not a bad point. And producer Jacob, which is a, a nice nickname for you there. I, I think that's a, <laughs> that's a really good point. Uh, but the American Express, uh, I, I like to always do a, a past results or a, a 2020 American Express. So maybe that'll help some certain keywords like that. But uh, I, I don't hate it, but I do understand your point. All right. Well, before we jump into the American Express, because there is a lot to talk about, very one of the more unique events on the PGA Tour. Let's take a quick minute or two to kind of look back at last week's Sony. Yes, the Sony uh, and kind of recap it just from our, our DFS and our betting purposes uh i think we were pretty big on web last week i think we yep. accurately uh faded uh patrick reed who ends up missing the cut um i think you actually at some point correct me if i'm wrong you had mentioned cam smith as an option here right you liked his putting you liked the fact that he had played in the president's cup his name was talked about on this pod last week I definitely liked him in the price range. Uh, and there were, uh, there was one lineup where I did put him in. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of that lineup kind of went sideways, but I liked him. I, I wasn't huge on him where I'm going to pick him to win, obviously, because then we'd be talking about something a little bit different here, but I definitely liked him for the president's cup reason. I, I thought he was kind of the forgotten guy in the president's cup and he turned out to play great, obviously winning. And I think part of that had to do with, 
uh, the play of Brendan Steele down the stretch, but he definitely played great, was definitely a factor, and got through some difficult conditions. Those conditions changed, I think, the landscape of the leaderboard as a whole. Um, so I liked Cam Smith um, for in a certain price range. I, I wish I was a little bit higher on him because I think it would have benefited my, my fantasy teams, and it definitely would have benefited <laughs> my one-and-done league. Yeah, so I had I uh I had Morikawa in one and done. I had him in a lot of my DraftKings lineups. You know, after round one, I'm I'm loving life here, right? He's he's got the first round uh, lead, and then not only does he just kind of fade away the rest of the couple days, but he three putts from seven feet on eighteen to go from like I don't know what it was, you know, T eight to T twenty one or something like that, which is just you know one quick refresh and uh, everything goes away for me. So I'll let me tell you, you're not the only one who suffered from this in a financial perspective. So let's just go through this here. He finished at five under because I have right now in front of me, I have all the the payouts from this tournament. So mm. Colin Morikawa at tied 21st, five under par, made sixty four thousand dollars and change, three hundred and fifty bucks on on top of that. So sixty four thousand three hundred and fifty dollars. If he didn't three putt. If he just two putted from six feet and 11 inches, he would have finished at six under. And those guys made $116,000. And uh, I know it would have been maybe slightly different if you add one other guy into the tie, but it gives you a good idea. $116,000. If he made the putt from uh, six feet, 11 inches, he would have made $180,000. So uh, it was a difficult – I know that you probably had a little bit invested in him. I know in your one-and-done league you lost him, but I think that he's feeling a little bit more sorry than you, and definitely more sorry than I am. Yeah, about $120,000 he uh, punted away in a matter of 30 seconds probably. uh, Yeah, definitely hurts a little bit more than just the pride of my one-and-done pick for sure. Uh, that's, that's, That's good stuff. Uh, alright, well listen, let's, let's look at this week. It's, it's the American Express. This is a very unique tournament because it is a celebrity pro-am and this is usually the time that we do the course breakdown, Greg, but, uh, there's three courses that we are going to have to deal with this week as the tour does this three course rotation so everyone is going to play 54 holes and uh, then there's going to be a 54 hole cut there's going to be uh, amateurs out there I'm not even sure these are like full-fledged celebrities these are kind of like middle tier or bottom tier celebrities but uh, just in terms of of golf we see this kind of again at Pebble Beach right the Pebble Beach program program does this with three courses Um, Torrey Pines does it uh, differently next week where they'll do a two course rotation what are your kind of general thoughts on the fact that these guys are going to have to deal with uh, three different courses this week over three days and then go back to the host course which is the stadium course on Sunday well for the for the guys that are playing I don't think it's a big deal at all I, I think that these are some of the easier golf courses on the PGA Tour I believe Nicholas tournament course and La Quinta were the two easiest courses on the PGA Tour last year so by, it's not a big far, deal that, yes right by by far they're they are easy which in a way it almost makes it hard to win because you have to go so – it turns it into a complete shootout. It turns it uh, – what's normally a four-round tournament on the PGA Tour is in the – maybe it's not a marathon, but maybe it's a – it's at least a 400 – it's at least a mile race, right? And and so there's some time to come back from a slow round. If you have a slow round in one of these two events, it it's not looking good for you, right? 
No, no. Two under par is not going to get it done um, any one of these rounds. So to your point, Greg, La, La Quinta, country easiest course uh, on tour out of 49 different courses last year. It played 3.2 shots under par. That's a massive number on average. Then the the Nicholas course was the second easiest, 2.9 shots under par. And then the host course, the stadium course, was the 10th easiest course. So, I mean, these are three very easy courses that this tends to, uh, yeah, turn into a birdie fest. Now, I think one of the bigger things that I find intriguing, and um, we kind of talked about this, about, uh, you know, being on the right side of a wave in weather. Like, you know, do you want to play uh, in, in tough conditions and, 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 you know, if you can make your hay at uh, an easier course in tough conditions, you're okay. Like, that's the same conversation we're going to have this week, where historically uh, – Guys who start at La Quinta um, have actually finished on average a lot better than the rest of the field. Now, there's a lot of caveats to that because the television, uh, they want the big boys to be at the stadium course on Saturday because that's where all the cameras are. That's when everybody's watching. So like Ricky Fowler, um, I think Sung Jay, Casey, and Tony Finau all are starting at La Quinta this week. So it skews the numbers a little bit. But, I mean, I think the course rotation and the order you get them in is a pretty – significant deal see i i don't i'm not 100 percent sure about that i i don't know that i don't have all the uh, facts in front of me that you do but i think you bring up a great point i mean i have the DraftKings prices right here in front of me and you mentioned four players ricky fowler guess where he is he's the most expensive sung jm he's the second most expensive <laughs> paul casey he's the third most expensive tony finau He's the fourth most expensive. Then you go to Ben on after that. So you go down that list and yes, they're, they are placing these players like they do with featured groups. They're placing them in strategic spots. So there's no secret to that. And I think yeah. it skews the numbers enough to make it not really a big deal. There is one thing that kind of goes to your point here. And it's when you can get off to a really good start, there's a, a statistic that I, I may mess up slightly, but it's something like this. 73% of the time, the player who wins the tournament ends the first round in the top 10. It may not be 73% exactly, but it's somewhere close to that. So getting off to a good start on the PGA Tour, you don't necessarily have to be leading, but you do have to be near the lead. You have to be in touch with the lead. And starting at La Quinta definitely puts you in that position. And I think that makes sense. Almost kind of human nature, uh, you know. You know, I personally would want to play the easiest course first so that I could get out to a good start. I mean, there's so many sayings in human nature, like, let's get off on the right foot. Like, I mean, that is like literally ingrained in people's brains that even when I look at something golf related like this, I, like I'm naturally thinking, yeah, I want to play La Quinta first and I want to go absolutely nuts on it. So uh, uh interesting that I do like that stat and it makes a lot of sense now. Stats for this week, you know, specific things that we might be looking for. I, I think it's obviously very difficult because you're getting three separate courses, uh, all with, you know, different, uh, features to them and different lengths. And like, it's going to be chaos trying to follow this for the first couple of days and, and figure out, oh, oh, he's five under, but he played La Quinta. Oh, he's five under. And he played the stadium course. That's more impressive. Like we're going to have those discussions. But as far as looking for statistics for this week, I'm just kind of going with, uh, big time birdie makers. Like we know you're going to have to go pretty low to win here. Historically, that's been the case. And then also my note here is, is kind of like mental fortitude and the reason that i say that is what we've seen around especially like at&t uh for their pro amp like these are long rounds when you're when you're playing with them 
amateurs and dealing with all that stuff that's going on, like you might be talking six and a half hour rounds this week. And some guys hate that. And I, I don't know how to quantify it, but I do believe it's a real thing. So uh, do you think the guys that maybe were in the last couple groups at the Sony Open have a better chance this week? Uh, because it took them 41 <laughs> minutes to play the last hole last week. Yeah, they they might be comfortable standing around and waiting for somebody like me to, to chop it out of the bunker like three or four times, right? I mean, it's, it's, I do think it's a real thing. And some guys, I mean, we'll talk about him on the, on the other side here, but you know, Ricky Fowler has historically not played this tournament much and he hasn't played at uh, Pebble Beach in the program much. And I wonder if part of that is, he doesn't like them. Like I do think there are going to be guys in the field that just hate standing around for six and a half hours. You know, here's the other thing you were mentioning how these are the easiest courses on the PGA tour. And I want to give Pete Dye a little bit of credit here because the stadium course, um, which, which they will play twice while it was the 10th easiest course on tour last year has been ranked. I believe it was golf digest ranked at one of the top 40 most difficult courses in America. And so while it's easy on tour, the tour <laughs> players have a difficult time with it. The amateurs that yeah. they're playing with, they're not going to have a very, uh, a very easy time with it for a lot of reasons. There's some water out there. There's some ridiculous deep bunkers, especially on the 16th hole. Uh, and any golf course Pete, Pete Dye designed is not going to be easy. So the, the reason it's easy on the PGA Tour is you rarely get any wind. We're not going to see wind above eight miles an hour this week. You don't see any rough. It's listed at two inches, the Bermuda grass that's going to be two inches deep. Well, it, it's dormant. So it's basically nothing. And you have greens that are in perfect condition. You combine all that. You get a birdie fest for guys on tour. And you get some guys that struggle that are amateurs. So it makes for a long round. You're absolutely right. So what I want to do um, is we're going we're gonna to jump into – the DraftKings pricing. But before we do that, one, one thing that we want to look towards each week is kind of like a general strategy tip. And I think one that is, is critically important for this week because there is a 54 hole cut is the kind of how you, how we treat these no cut or these 54 hole cut events. And for me, Greg, and I, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I would prefer to take on much more in these types of situations because the way that the scoring works, you're guaranteed to get three rounds out of every single golfer. So there's not as big of a necessity to actually make the cut, which can usually sink you in other weeks. But if you're willing to kind of take on some risk in these, whether it's lower price guys or more volatile guys that you know you're going to get three rounds worth of, if they happen to miss the cut, you're only missing out on one round of potential scoring. So I tend to find myself building much more volatile or um, what we would call like a stars and scrubs approach, like bring Ricky Fowler into the lineup and getting a bunch of guys up top and then taking on the risk at the bottom because, you know, with the birdie scoring and things like that, you can kind of make up for not having that final round worth of worth of statistics. That's what I find to be the most challenging thing about a week like this on the PGA tour. First of all, the field isn't, deep like we're going to see when we go to the farmer's insurance, right? It, it's it's just not going to be star-studded like that. So our decisions near the top get, we end up with basically four guys that are big-name players who we're going to be choosing from. And then you get into the lower price guys, and they're guys you probably haven't heard of. So it becomes a little bit more challenging, in my opinion, to fill your lineup because you're you're basically guessing. So a couple things that I'm looking for, um, and in a way, Rick, I almost feel like you're forced to take risk 
just because of the who the players that are in the field. So while that may be a great strategy, you I, I don't know what other choice you have. And we'll go through this again in the next segment here. Some of these players that are in the lower price ranges. So you're going to be taking some risks. But what are you looking for in those risks? I think you're looking for guys that can make some birdies, which may be hard to find because birdie average and and um, and moneyless place on the money list definitely correlate. So that's one thing you, you may have a hard time with. But the other thing I'm looking at is your iron play. I mentioned how the rough is going to be very low. Uh, you, you know that it's a Pete Dye golf course and angles are difficult. You're looking for a guy that can get really hot with his iron. So strokes gain approach is going to be a really big statistic that I'm looking for this week. All right. We're going to jump into the DraftKings player pool on the other side. But for now, let's break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. All right, Greg. It's time. DraftKings pricing. You mentioned some of these guys at the top. We've got six guys over $10,000 in the salary range here. Ricky Fowler at 11.5, Sung Jay at 11,000, Paul Casey at 10.7, Tony Finau at 10.5, Benny Ahn at 10.3. He rarely is over $10,000. And Charles Howell the third, 10,100. Um, I'm like t- tossing my hands up up here. This is a very, it's never really this difficult for me, uh, to try to figure out which one of these guys I like the most. I, I think Sungjae, uh, you know, very objectively is, 
a very good play, but I don't know what to do with some of these other guys. So what do you think? Sungjae is a guy who's, who is very, very nice with his irons. I really like that. The only thing that gives me pause is the way last week ended for him. You mentioned what Colin Morikawa did to, to uh, ruin your one and done day. Uh, well, Sungjae M is the guy that I had, and producer Jacob had as well, and he made a triple on the 16th hole. I just wonder what, how he's going to respond to that. How is he going to come back from that? It, it could be a great thing. It could also he could come out a little bit flat. If you come out flat in this tournament, well, you're probably only going to play three rounds. Last year, the cut was nine under par. Uh, after three rounds. So um, I have a little bit of pause with him. Tony Finau is a guy I really like. One, he is an American Express ambassador. So I know that he's going to have a little bit of, it's an important week for him. It's not a week that he's just kind of going through the motions. I know it's important for him. And he just came in fifth uh, in Hong Kong. That's the pause with him. He just came from Hong Kong. Is that travel going to have an effect on him? Or is he going to be able to come out swinging? He, he When I look at this group, He's probably my favorite, uh, and I think Ben On is another guy that I, I really like. Although he didn't play in Hawaii, Ben On had uh, had a great President's Cup, and um, he had a great year last year. And I'm just I'm impressed with Ben On as a player. I think he's going to have a big year. This could be a, a spot where he really starts off strong. So here's what I'm really confused about: um, the female Paul Casey thing kind of throw me for a loop. I kind of pair them together because I think. They have underperformed based on like what we know about those guys. Long, awesome players, love them both. I hope they win a ton. But like, does it concern you that Tony Finau, like he finished fifth in the Hong Kong Open? Like, why why is he not winning golf tournaments? You know, a a tenth at the Hero World Challenge, fifty third and fifty ninth at the WGC and Zozo. I just been a little uninspired with Tony Finau, and I also feel the same way about who just like. All of his results are like, eh, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Like, I'm just, I'm just concerned about both of them. So, if you, if you're forced to play one of them, it sounds like you're with Tony Finau. Tony Finau is definitely my favorite. I, again, I look at that group, and I'll address Paul Casey here in a minute. But I, Tony Finau and Ben On are the two guys I'm kind of going back and forth on there. Um, but when it comes to Tony Finau and Paul Casey, why aren't they winning more? Well, winning, first of all, is hard. I think it takes a <laughs> special individual to go out there and win. I think it takes a different attitude. And some players just have to learn that attitude. I look at a John Rahm, who's the, if John Rahm was playing in Hong Kong last week, he's the best player in the field. He would have handled the pressure and won. He did that in the Spanish Open back to back years. He's done it all over the world countless times. He just continues to win. Wherever he goes, especially when he gets in weak fields, he won here at this tournament a couple of years back. Um, so when when John John Rahm is a guy who to me smells blood when he gets into that situation, I'm not sure Tony Finau and Paul Casey have that attitude where they get into a situation where they're the favorites and they smell blood. I haven't seen that out of them yet. They're they're incredibly nice guys. I really like them as people. I like watching them play. They're immensely talented players. But when they get in that moment and have a chance to win. Are they are they going for blood? Are they going for the win, or are they just kind of playing nice down the stretch? It seems so far like they've played nice. Does that mean they're a bad value for your fantasy team? I mean, can you spend that kind of dollar amount uh, on a guy that you don't think is going to win, but maybe he will have a top five finish? Yeah, so that's kind of the issue I'm at right now, where, like, if you're spending $10,000 or more, these guys um, – are going to have to turn in a masterful masterful performance and probably win the golf tournament. Uh, um, the more we talk about it, the more I, I probably probably get intrigued with with Ricky Fowler as just kind of being the default best player in the field. Um, kind of a sneaky little quiet 
T5 at, at the Tournament of Champions. Um, you know, nobody's putter can get hot like Ricky Fowler's putter can get hot. So if this turns into just who can roll in as many putts as possible and, and win this golf tournament, I think it's interesting. But you're right. Winning is very difficult, uh, which Charles Howell III will certainly tell you, considering he has three three wins in his 566 starts. And to me, he's the guy that with 11 straight cups or whatever it is coming into this event, I think he gets used uh, way too much here, but because $10,100, like if he finishes, he's like a portal lock to finish in the top 20, but if he gives you a T13 for $10,100, you've probably played yourself big money. Right. Cause now you're not going to get any, you're not going to get to play Ben on who, Maybe a guy who wins it. You're not going to get to play Song J.M. in his first PGA Tour win, or you're not going to get to play Ricky Fowler in another win for him in the desert, uh, like he did win at the, at the Phoenix Open last year. So he, you, I agree. Charles Howell to me is the, it's a punt. It, it's, I don't know who to play up there. I'll save some dollars, but I'm going to end up getting a, like you said, a, a tied 15th finish. It'll be a great finish, but it's not going to be a win. So that's kind of where I get into this. This is a a risky it's a risky game and in that top group of players I don't really feel great about anybody um and the more I look at it the more Ben On's name pops out to me he's probably the guy I like most but it's risky All right Greg so if none of those guys up top really move the needle for you in a significant way Maybe you start your lineups down in the $9,000 range, which has a lot to offer. We're talking Kevin Kisner, Billy Horschel, Scotty Sheff, Cam Champ, Francesco Molinari back, Jason Kokrak, kind of a weird name here, and then Matt Wolf to round out this 9K range. I'll tell you what, you know, we can weave in some of the, uh, the betting stuff throughout this. I, I've already fired a bet on Scotty Scheffler. I got him at, I got him at 33 to 1, and he's one of these guys that is just piling up good finishes for me. Already three top sevens in his, uh, this season. A fifth place at the RSM the last time we saw him. A third place in Bermuda. Like, this kid is going to win a heck of a lot on the PGA Tour, and I think it might start this week. He's had success pretty much everywhere he's gone. I mean, one year on the Corn Ferry Tour, and it, it was a great year. He basically, uh, yeah, so in 2018, he played one tournament on the uh, on the web.com, or Corn Ferry Tour, and he wasn't even a player. And then he got his card the next year, and in the first year, he wins twice. Yeah, he wins twice, two seconds, 10 top 10s in 20 events on the Corn Ferry Tour. Now, the Corn Ferry Tour is not, it's not easy. It's very, very difficult to win. And he did it multiple times and was a, a great player down there. He was great at Texas. He's a, a superstar player. And he is just, he's one of those guys that just levels up. And, and the PGA Tour now for him is just simply the next level up. And it's gone very well so far. So is this a guy you like at this place? I mean, I, I think so. I, I don't really, see very many problems with him. I don't know if I want to start my lineup here, but he's a good ball striker. He's 26th in strokes gained tee to green. Uh, he's great off the tee, 15th off the tee, 52nd approach the green. So I, I like it. I really, I think he's a good pick. I think he's a guy that just knows how to get the ball in the hole and he knows how to shoot low scores. If I required you to start your lineups here in the $9,000 range, who would you do it with? I, I think Kevin Kisner is playing really well right now. Okay. I think Kevin Kisner is playing really well. I like when Kisner is going well, things seem to go really well for him. And he's got the putter going. He, that's what I really like about him. Two things. One, it, these golf courses aren't going to require a lot of distance. I mean, they're, they're par 72s that aren't, they don't reach 7,500 yards. And if you have a par, five, uh, par 72 
under 7,500 yards. And all three of these courses are well under that. It's not long on the PGA Tour. So uh, Kevin Kisner at his distance, that's not a, his big disadvantage is not a disadvantage. And his strength is something that's going to be required. It, it's an absolute prerequisite out here that you're going to make some putts. Because as I said, the three-round cut last year was nine under par. You're going to have to shoot probably mid-20s. Uh, at least 20 under to win this tournament and you're going to need a hot putter to do it. So uh, he's all, it, it also doesn't hurt that he's at 9,900. So I would start my lineup there. Um, but I got to tell you, Rick, the guy that I like most in, in this category this week is, uh, at the very bottom of that at 9,000. That's Matt Wolf. I, okay. I love Matt Wolf this week. I, I think the distance that he hits the ball off the tee. I think the lack of rough out here, I think it's going to be something that's very beneficial for him. And I could see Matt Wolf going really low this week and contending for a win. Yeah, we've, we've talked about him just in kind of a sense of, uh, it would never surprise me if he, if he wins this thing or if he finishes like, you know, dead last. I just think he's going to be figuring this out and he's young and, and all of it's coming, but you're right. I think the future is as bright as can be. Now there's one guy we, we've mentioned like four or five guys in this range. We might be overlooking the second best player in this field. Uh, Francesco Molinari, $9,200. I know it's been a rough go, uh, but maybe it's 2020 clean slate for this guy. Like I, I don't, he legit could be the second best player in this field and he's, he's $9,200 and you know, to bet him, he's 29 to one. I, I mean, I really look at this, Rick. I think Francesco Molinari might be the most accomplished player in the field. I mean, he, the, the other players in this field haven't necessarily won major championships. Francesco has. They, they're, I, I look at that year, Frances- 2018, Francesco Molinari almost accomplished more than Ricky Fowler has in his entire career. No knock on Ricky Fowler, but I just, Francesco is one of the better players in this field, no doubt. But that being said, Francesco plays really well in, on really difficult golf courses. He plays really well when the rough is really long and you have to put the ball in the fairway. Think back to the API last year. The rough was nasty. People couldn't hold the ball on the greens unless they were in the fairway. Francesco was able to do that. Think back to Le Golf National at, uh, in Paris and Francesco Molinari went five and oh. The rough was nasty. If you missed the fairway, you were going to make a bogey. He didn't do that. So I, I wonder if Francesco Molinari this week is going to be able to make enough birdies to keep up. Yeah, I just think it's crazy that he he won the API like 15 starts ago. Like it feels like it was 50 starts ago, but it, it was it wasn't that long ago. Um, he's someone interesting, very interesting for 2020 and someone else very interesting for 2020 who kind of kicks us off in the $8,000 range is the host, Phil Mickelson, who quite frankly, I'm pretty sure if you just removed his name off of this and just looked at his stats and looked at his results, instead of costing $8,700 on DraftKings, he'd cost about $6,700. And instead of being whatever he is, 40 to one to win this, he'd be about 100 to one. The, the game has been so bad for Phil, and it's not just a driver like everybody wants you to believe it is. His putter, which has saved him time and time again, has been absolutely brutal since his win at the uh, at Pebble Beach. I think this is – we had Patrick Reed as fool's gold last week. I think a lot of people are going to look for Phil Mickelson, who has had success at this event, a lot of it. Uh, and, and just buy back in on him, on that narrative when I, I can't touch this guy with a, a 10 foot pole. Well, I understand. I mean, you look at last year, what he did and every time he shot 66, he followed it up with 76 right after that. Yeah. So 
it was it was definitely trick or treat last year with Phil, but there's a reason for that. And you have to take a step back here. Now, I'm not nece- I'm not making a case yet to put him on your team. I just <laughs> want to paint this picture on what we're seeing with Phil and why. He's a guy that's trying to hit bombs. We've he's said it over and over again. He's chasing distance. Why is he doing that? Well, he's going to be 50 years old. He's trying to prolong his career. He's trying to put himself in a position where he can keep up at a winged foot. He can keep up at a, a Harding Park where he can play with the best players in the world. He doesn't want to play the Champions Tour. He wants to play and win a U.S. Open. He wants to contend in majors. Uh, and, and in order to do that, he needs to add distance. So he goes on this quest to add distance. It takes away from his accuracy, which uh, has never necessarily been uh, a strength of his game, but it's been something he's been able to do like in the match when he needs to hit a fairway. He can throttle back and hit a little cut into the fairway. He can do what's necessary. This hitting bomb quest has taken that away. And it also takes away from his ability to practice putting. He's spending more time in the gym, less time on the practice screen. It's as simple as that. So I, I think Phil last year made an investment in distance for the future. I I'd, I think if you're going to bet Phil Mickelson this year, this is a good place to do it. One, the rough is going to be very low. It's it's not really a big issue to hit fairways. Uh, it's a big issue to, to hit a lot of greens. It's a big issue to hit it close to holes and make some putts. I, I wonder if Phil's year last year was an investment for this year, and you're going to see him come out in good form. It wouldn't surprise me. It just concerns me that you tend to you seem to think a lot of people are going to pick Phil. Well, I think I think Phil is generally uh, more popular than he should be because he's very likable. I mean, it, it's kind of the Ricky Fowler effect. It's the Tiger Woods effect. He he is more owned. He is a bit more whatever you want to call it, uh, then they should be because he's a very likable guy. And when you throw in the the really good tournament form, which is a second place last year, a third place in 2016, he's made a lot of cuts here. Like, yeah, I do think he's going to be, I do think he's going to be more popular than he should be because the guys around him, I'd much rather play. I mean, Abe, Abe Answers here. Brendan Todd is here. Uh, Brian Harmon. Those are the three guys who sandwich uh, Phil Mickelson in pricing, and I, I'd probably rather have all of them. See, I, it's interesting. I, I, I know that Phil. We have this saying, "Well, Phil is Phil, right?" That it, it almost, it's the most obvious statement in the world, but everybody knows exactly what it means. Phil is Phil, and it, there's going to be a chance, especially now, where that's boom or bust, and so it's risky. And the thing is, if a lot of people are going to bet him then I might stay away. I might fade Phil Mickelson. I liked him. I think he's going to play well this week. I have him on my list. But if he's going to be a, a high-ranked a high ranked player in this $8,000 range, there's definitely better options to go with here. Uh, I really like Brian Harmon this week. I, I think Brian Harmon is a guy that's uh, that's on the rise. I think he's playing well. I think he's had a pretty good track record here. I'm a big fan of a, of a Brian Harmon, especially on a golf course like this. So am I. Uh, Brian Harmon, $8,600, has made uh, a bunch of cuts recently, but uh, a third-place finish here in 2017, an 11th back in 2016. When you look at statistics that tend to travel, the guy can hit his irons and he can putt, which are, are things that can get you going in most places and, and can certainly – help you here um other than that i gotta tell you i'm not a huge fan of this eight thousand dollar range um i don't know if there's anybody else here but i i'm i'm ready to jump down to 7900 unless there's someone we really need to talk about it at eight in the eight thousands well i just want to get your thoughts on a ches because he's down there he's very close to the seven thousands he's at eight thousand flat do you think and he, he's a west coast guy 
He's yeah. played well in the desert before. Maybe not the greatest record at this particular tournament, but do you think Chez Reavy has any value this week? I think he's okay, right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't love him. I don't hate him. I, I generally, I'm a pretty big fan of Chess Reedy because of the irons he can get it going. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of lukewarm. I, I think he's fine. I'm not rushing to the window to bet him. I'm not rushing to keep him out of my lineups. If you wanted to get the, the normal, you know, the normal level of exposure to Chess Reedy, I'd be like, yeah, all good. Like, no, no problems there. Right. Very all interesting. Right. Let's get 7,000. 7,000, 7,900 right at the top, my guy. And, uh, I, I, I've been already told, you know, I'm spoiling the party by letting everybody know about this, but Vaughn Taylor, 50 to 1. Uh, 50 to 1 and 7,900. I, uh, another guy I've already bet here, uh, which is rare because, and we can talk about this a little bit later, I think live betting is, is going to be big this week, betting after the first round, betting after the second round because of the course rotation. But some guys, I thought the number was going to move on. Von Taylor certainly one of those guys. Um, you know, 12th place at the Sony, 10th at the RSM, 2nd in Mayakoba, and he finished 7th last year. Also, how about how about this one, Greg? If you want to correlate anything to the AT&T Pro-Am with the long rounds, having to deal with amateurs, the course rotation, oh, yeah, Von Taylor has won there, too. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing, a couple things I like. One, he hasn't missed a cut since the Sanderson Farms, with the first event of the wraparound season in September. And since then, it's been basically all on, on the way up. The Mayakoba, he played great, coming in tied second there. But as you mentioned, um, a good finish even last week. So stock seems to be on the rise for Vaughn Taylor. Um, the thing I like most about him is that birdie average. It's sitting at 4.19, 54th total. I, I think that kind of outdoes what I see in his iron play. 54th in strokes game putting, which is fine, um, but it doesn't really make it, him jump off the page to me. But that birdie average, that 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 excites me. And you combine that with his recent play, um, and, and then you look a little bit deeper into his iron play and you see that he's seventh in proximity to the hole. It just kind of makes you wonder, well, we got to take a deeper look at a, a statistic like strokes can approach the green. Maybe there is some real value in this guy. Uh, and I, I'm only sorry you have to spoil the party. He looks great. Yeah. And he, it's one of these situations where, uh, as we mentioned a million times, winning is hard. So I, I did bet him outright 50 to one. I also got him a little bit at, um, in a top five, which is probably, uh, more of a ceiling outcome for Von Taylor is like, hey, he goes out and he finishes T4 and he can cash those bets too. So certainly not putting all my eggs in the Von Taylor basket, but he is someone that certainly um, excites me. Now, I, I have a couple other guys here in this $7,000 range that I'm, I'm getting pretty fired up about, but is there, uh, is there anyone in particular that moves the needle for you? Yeah, uh, this is a guy who I'm getting the sense on this show is very popular. Oh, do uh, it. I'm, do I'm it, a do huge it. fan. Rory Sabatini, right? <laughs> yes. You gotta know it. You gotta know where we're going with this here. Yeah. He, he, he's another one of the, these guys. Hasn't missed a cut since, uh, the first week in October. He, he played great. I mean, he, he won the QBE shootout. I know that's not an official event here on the PGA tour, but when you see a T1 there on your, on your list, cause he had a partner, it, it's very exciting. Tied 21st last week at the open with kind of a, uh, a little bit of a disappointing weekend shooting just even par over the weekend, 270s. But I think Rory Sabatini is a great pick. Yeah, Sabs, uh, Sabs is definitely popular around the, uh, the first cut parts, uh, you know, the, around the office where all of us are all over the country, but, uh, Sabs definitely does get, uh, a lot of hype around here. How about this one? What if we go right back to Brendan Steele? 
and he's 7,500. I bet him, hold on, let me check this number. I got him at 90 to one, nine zero. Okay. In this field where my argument is this, Greg, for 71 holes last week, he was the best player on the planet. And yes, it all unraveled. Winning is hard. It is still a sec- like if he would have ascended to a second place, everyone would have been betting him this week would would have them in their DraftKings lineups. But the fact that he kind of uh you know punts away a three shot lead on Sunday to finish second, the mentality has completely changed. But he's been awesome here. Last five years, he hasn't missed a cut. He has three top twenties. He has two top six finishes. He had he was sixth in twenty seventeen and second in twenty fifteen. Like. I'm a, I am a glutton for punishment. I'm going right back to Brendan Steele. So this is, you, you love this bet because it's so risky, right? I mean, he, yeah. there, there's, now there's great results. There's great past results. Um, there, he played great last week for the most part, but the thing is there, there's an emotional aspect here. And yep. the way that Brendan Steele lost the tournament, and he did lose the tournament, in my opinion, last week. I mean, everybody was making a mess of the 18th hole, and the mess that he made happened to cost him the tournament, basically. And and it was so disappointing. And I just worry that he's a little bit disappointed. And the other thing from a statistical standpoint, last week he had two rounds of, I think it was 3.4 strokes game putting in round one and round two. 2.6 strokes game putting in round three and then he was the worst putter in the field on Sunday he lost 3.6 strokes to the uh, strokes game putting so that kind of volatility concerns me a little bit was it were we just getting something uh that was a little bit false in the first three days was that a little bit of luck were things just kind of going his way or is this something that we're really going to see so what will be tested this week for Brendan Steele is his resilience I I don't want to doubt him but uh, it, it gives me a little bit of pause you know what he told us right afterwards in the midst of uh punting that tournament away. He said, I'm a California kid and uh, I don't like rain. And you know where he's at this week? California. Yep. And you know how much rain is in the forecast? Uh, zero. zero. So let's go. Brendan Steele, fire it up. Uh, he, I'm, I'm most excited. You're right. Cause just because I think everyone else is going to be off of him, but um, all right. Bottom end of the seven K range. I mean, I see Taylor Gooch here as a guy who, uh, hits his irons really well, had a fourth place finish last year, but I'm not getting too excited about anybody else down here. How about you? Uh, Nate Lashley is a guy that kind of piques okay. my interest a little bit. I, I'm not sure that he makes me really, really get excited about it, but another guy, <laughs> Carlos Ortiz has been a really popular kind of pick. Uh, if you're doing any research and fantasy anywhere other than here, you've definitely seen Carlos Ortiz's name popping up, but again, it, it's not really getting me moving. I'm not running to the to the window here to place a bet on either of these two guys. Yeah, and I kind of feel that way about a lot of the guys left in this uh, in this field here. I mean, DraftKings they entice you so much by giving you like half the field under seven thousand dollars, and you're like, oh man, I can find. I can find two guys down here that I can play. And then you start scrolling through the names and you're like, I cannot find two guys down here that I can play. Um, you know, Bo Hogue, right? Uh, 6,800 bucks, ninth place finish at the Sony, had a 20th at Mayakoba, had an 11th in Bermuda. I, when you get down to this spot, like I, you, you're probably not going to get both the combination of really good recent form and tournament history. So I'm kind of just looking for one of them. So he's got the recent form, but like, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm just looking for like elite skill sets and things like that when I get down here. So what do you think about uh, the guy that comes to my mind is uh, Tom Hoagie. 
Tom Hoagie, for some reason, he missed four cuts in a row, then came in tied 12th at the Sony Open. It just gives me a little bit of a sense that he's kind of in, he's, he's kind of doing all right. Now, I know that he missed the cut last year. I know it, it doesn't seem like, uh, like it should be a great event for him. He was tied 57th in 18. It hasn't gone great, but do you think there could be any momentum from a good finish at the Sony? Again, he's a guy 31st in strokes gain approach the green, 61st strokes gain putting. 50th strokes gained tee to green. I, I think that a, a guy like this could be a, a real good dark horse choice. Listen, when you're down here, um, you're, you're, you're naturally grasping at straws. So if you find something that you like, which is, Hey, he finished 12th last week, even like something like Peter Malnati, same thing, Sony 12th place finish. Like, uh, okay. You know, Malnati even finished 18th here last year. So, I mean, you're definitely trying to just get a couple of really small samples or really small nuggets and run with it. And, and like we talked about, these guys are guaranteed three rounds. You know what I mean? So like you just need them to kind of play well for three rounds or make enough birdies to, to kind of manipulate the DraftKings scoring a little bit. Uh, or, uh, sneak in, sneak in and make a, make a cut and get to play on, get to play on Sunday. So I don't think you're asking for much out of these guys. And well, the thing I like about Tom Hoagie too is his birdie average is at 4.0. It's 80th on tour, but it, he's a guy that he can make some birdies. He's not going to be just basically trying to avoid bogey. He he can make birdies. So uh, he's my my darkest of dark horses for the week, and I I think he'd be a, a nice play if you need somebody in the uh, 6500 range. Okay, I can get behind it. Um, what I want to do is I want to pick your brain a little bit on this betting slip on the on the betting card, and we kind of chatted through some of these guys already so you know where i'm at uh you know i've already fired bets on on scotty scheffler i've fired bets on von taylor including a top five i i got Brendan steel in a top five and an outright so i'm kind of going there um but i do think this is kind of a tournament where you can like adam long won this last year adam long won this and wasn't even offered on some book and the ones he was offered on he was like 300 or 500 to one so i think you can actually Open this up a little bit and try to go get basically anybody you want. Do you have any favorites here? You got any bets you want to share? Uh, so I, I think Matthew Wolf would be a bet that uh, that I would place. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Um, and the other guy is Adam Long. You mentioned him. I might go right back to the well with Adam. Wow. I, I thought he was going to have a good week last week. There was a lot that I really liked about him. And I, I just there, there's something about, I really like his game. I think last week he missed the cut. He shot two over par, which was one shot off the cut. So I, I, I think that that missed cut is a little bit, um, skewed. You know, it, it's not like a, like a typical week where, uh, you had normal conditions. There were a lot of great, like Justin Thomas missed the cut. Now he came in tied second at the Mayakoba. He came in tied 23rd at the Century Tournament of Champions. You know, he's playing. That's all that really tells me. Um, tied 35th at the RSM. The, last week was the first cut that he missed all year. I, I think that Adam Long is a guy who's on the rise. I think he's uh, a player who's kind of finding his own game. And I, I see a guy who's in the 70-70 club with driving accuracy and greens of regulation. You know his swing is in good form. A guy who who um, makes four birdies around. I, I might go right back to Adam Long. Interesting, 77 club. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's so much going on, and and I think it's such a volatile week that I can argue a lot of things. Let me let me think, talk about this because this is where I think a lot of the value in betting is coming. Even though I've already told five or six bets, um, here's what's gonna happen. 
someone is going to go out and be like nine under at La Quinta, and then there's a player who is or anybody who's like four or five under at the stadium course. And I don't think the books are going to figure it out like that. This one guy who shot nine under at La Quinta, um, you know, still has to go play now the two harder courses and, and vice versa. So I, what I'm going to try to do is like keep an eye on, maybe check it after each round, see what the odds are and try to find some of these guys that have the easier courses to them and are still, you know, still play well at probably the stadium course. It's a great play. It, you know, I didn't really think about it in that light, but what I was thinking about is, this is a really hard week to pick a winner. I, yeah. I don't, I look at, and I don't know who's going to win this tournament. There's nobody that stands out to me. Last week, you know, there, uh, at the Century Tournament of Champions, there were a host of guys there. This week, uh, I'm having a hard time choosing a guy that I really feel like is going to win. It feels kind of like they're, they're just guesses. So playing it round around, I think is a really good idea. You'll get a sense of what course they have to play, who's playing really well. And, and some of the conversations we've, we've had about their past recent performances, I, I think that's a really good strategy. Well, speaking of not, uh, not knowing how to pick a winner, I'm going to ask you to pick a winner. So let's, uh, let's jump over to the, the one and done stuff here, which I think is interesting because, um, John Rahm, Adam Hadwin, Patrick Cantley, they were some of the most popular picks in the one and done pools across the, uh, industry last year. None of them are playing this year. All of them are out. Um, Charles Howe III was very popular last year, which I imagine he would be again. So for our first cut, uh, you know, one and done standings, we're all obviously still in it. We've played one round, but nobody got more than 116,000 points last week. Um, Corey Connors, I think, was a popular pick. Sungjae was popular. Uh, those are the guys that got 116,000. You and I, just $50,000 behind. Um, so now you've got an opportunity to, Hey, maybe you want to pick Adam Long. I don't know where you're going to go, but what are you thinking in terms of one and done this week? Well, I think it's really difficult to go to to go all the way down to uh, a player like Adam Long. I just I, I think it's a really hard thing to do. I can't pick Sung Jay in because he's right there. Tony Fina is a guy who I'm really looking at as a, a nice option. So when right now I'm kind of I'm thinking I got Ricky Fowler, I got Tony Finau, I got Ben on. They're in my one and done categories. There are, uh, there's likely to be a dark horse that's going to pop up and win this tournament. Um, so the one and done strategy, you don't really want to go that low. We talked about that a little bit last week. So yeah. the, when, when I'm in this scenario right here, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the class of the field. And the reason I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler this week is this. I, I don't know if there's going to be another tournament Ricky plays in where he is, the favorite like this. And I, I'm not going to use him in a major. I'm probably not going to use him in a, um, in, in a, a world golf championships or anything like that. I, I think this is a, a great week to pick Ricky Fowler in a one and done. All right. Well, um, I will tell you, I've also already submitted Ricky Fowler. Into okay. Well, now so you we, give me a little validation. Well, and, and also <laughs> listen, the rest of the guys get to hear what we're, what we're picking before have to submit their picks it's kind of uh you know they've got a little leg up on us but no i, I agree with you I, I think that um my general strategy is just keep, pedal to the metal at all times especially out of the gate here there's going to be plenty of golfers to pick um i think everyone or a lot of people will opt to use ricky at like waste management is kind of a natural spot to use him uh this is going to be one of the few times maybe rocket mortgage because he's going to go there a sponsored guy that's a good point he'll be like 
yeah, 10 to 1, 12 to 1, well, he, where he will be the class of, of the field. And just because this is, this is such a unique event, it is so hard to handicap. I, I'm just gonna say, hey, you know what? Throw up my hands, give me the best guy in the field, and we'll try again next week at Tour and see what happens. I think you and I are right in the same place here, but you definitely validated my pick because it's one I'm a little nervous about. I, I don't love any, like I said, I don't necessarily love any of this. So I have to pick one and I just kind of default to the top because it's Ricky. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a good strategy. Yeah. Well, um, before I let you go, uh, I don't know how much attention you've been paying over to the European tour, but they got a little, uh, a little corny over there this week. You know, the, the Tommy would open the Abu Dhabi HSBC championship and Tommy won back to back 17 and 18. We're going to see some, uh, Brooks good debut action. Patrick Cantlay's over there. Jack Bryson is over there. Louis over there. Like, this is the, with your problems over this great field. Over in Europe, you had a chance to take a look at it. You got any uh, feels for anybody out there? It's uh, well, yeah. There are a number of things that go on out there. One, I, I think that uh, you see, like you said, Tommy Fleetwood's a guy who's had great success there. He's an excellent ball striker. So when I look at this field, there's one guy that really sticks out to me, and it's Patrick Cantlay. He's kind of been away from uh, from some the Bryson stuff. Like like he's not like Bryson DeChambeau, who's gone through this massive change. Bryson would normally be a guy I would really like over there. He's not like Brooks Kepko just coming off of an injury. I think it's going to take Brooks a couple of weeks to get back into it. Um, and can Tommy Fleetwood really do it again? I, I just, I, I wonder that. So Patrick Cantley is the guy that I'm looking at this week over there. Well, I don't know how many Mai Tais they're going to have over here. <laughs> so I'm not sure I could go with Patrick Cantley, but I do, I do like it. He's very solid. I'm actually leaning more towards the guys that, um, play on the Euro Tour regularly. And there's two that kind of stand out for me. They're, they're kind of the second tier guys. Um, Thomas Peters has been awesome with his irons in this young season. He's gaining like a shot and a quarter per round over there. And he's had really good success in this tournament. He's got four top 16 finishes in his last five starts, including three of them are top five. So he's someone that interested me, Thomas Peters. And then also Bern Wiesberger, another guy that we saw. I mean, he was yep. right into... I mean, he was in the mix, uh, for the race to Dubai until the end. I mean, he was leading going into the last tournament. Um, so he's another guy who's had great success at this tournament. He can hit his irons very well. Very, very solid guy. So I, I like the natural European tour guys who kind of have this under their belt year in and year out. So I'm going to kind of lean in that direction. I, the thing I like about the American players over here is it's just, it, it's, it's unlike most European tour events, right? You're, you're not going to have a lot of, when you're playing in the desert, it's kind of like playing where the PGA Tour is playing this week. So, um, not that it's as, as easy of a golf course, but I, I think the American, maybe, maybe when they go to Saudi Arabia, ten, there are some more tensions, but I, I think, uh, I think an American like Patrick Cantlay like, could do really well. Okay. Um, well, also this weekend, I, I don't know if you're into the combat sports, uh, Greg, but we've got UFC 246 this weekend. Connor McGregor making his return. Are you at all, you follow any of that at all? I, I very, very rarely follow that. Conor McGregor is a guy that does come up on, uh, you know, on a lot of the bottom lines. He's a guy that, that you will definitely see pop up on the web page, web page from time to time. So it's always interesting when he's in, but I, I don't follow it enough to get any insight here. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, Conor moves the needle for me. He's fighting Donald Cerrone, the cowboy, which, 
like this is the kind of stuff I want to tune in for. So what I what I encourage you to do because I'm going to do the same thing is uh, listen to the state of state of combat podcast they they're covering ufc 246 they've got an episode wednesday with um you know who it is it's it's ufc hall of famer uh rashad rashad evans who i like i've i like a lot of his fights so they're going to be doing a lot of content covering this event uh which i'm really excited for and i uh, might run out to a bar and you know my bar of choice and find a little uh little little pay-per-view action well i like it if i can get into this pot maybe i can get a little bit of insight before it i love watching it it's a it's yeah. a great sport to watch it's fascinating so but i just got to get a little bit of uh, i got to get a little bit of insight so i i, I think i'm going to do that i'm going to listen to the podcast and uh and unfortunately we're on opposite sides of the country so we won't be there together but maybe we <laughs> can facetime we are best friends after all that is true we are best friends all right that's it for uh this edition of the first cut for my best friend greg ducharme make sure to follow him on twitter it is at the real gfd i'm rick game and you can hit me up on twitter at rick run good much appreciated and we'll talk to you guys soon Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing.